You might think that since this is Trinity Sunday, that I'm going to talk about the Trinity and finally explain this central mystery of our faith using a variety of analogies that will, at last, make sense of this very complex piece of dogma. You might think that, but you'd be wrong, because I'm not going to do that. The unfortunate truth is that analogies never work to explain the Trinity, and instead they tend to lead us into one of a variety of heresies. Sometime this weekend, when you have a few moments and you're at your computer, Google St. Patrick's Bad Analogies, and it will show you a really very funny video uh, that explains in an entertaining and theologically accurate way why analogies always fail when we're trying to explain the Trinity. Instead, what I'd like to do is look at these three scripture readings the church has given us for today and see if we can find in them some hint of what the Trinity means for how we live our lives today. These readings were chosen for a reason, and I'm always curious to know what that reason might be. Let's look at that Proverbs reading first. This section of the book of Proverbs extols the qualities of wisdom as creator. Wisdom is seen here not just as the characteristic of a virtuous person, but as an integral part of the divine. In many cases, when the Old Testament writers refer to wisdom, we read into that a reference to the Holy Spirit, which is understandable. But in this case, with its, presence, with its references to the presence of wisdom at the creation of the world, we're really talking about something different. And the writers of the New Testament, especially John, see in this passage references to Christ. So here we have the Trinity all connected, Creator, Wisdom, Christ, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. A few years ago, I was part of a, a, an interfaith dialogue group when I was stationed in Ohio at the Newman Center at Ohio State. And this Muslim Catholic dialogue group met every Thursday night when school was in session. And one of the ways that we began those sessions every semester was to look at the various stereotypes that we have of each other. You can imagine how that went from our side. But interestingly, one of the stereotypes that many Muslims have of Christians is that we are not really monotheists. They don't understand this whole Trinity thing. From the outside, it looks like we have three gods and not one god. But as we tried to explain in those sessions, the Trinity doesn't just explain how God works, it explains how God is. Which is why our language around God, with all of its analogies and metaphors, is always going to fall short of complete explanations. So a word here about language, if I may. Father and Son are metaphors. Jesus is the only member of the Holy Trinity whose gender we actually know. The Creator isn't male or masculine, just as the Holy Spirit is not female or feminine. But 
Jesus chose the metaphor of father and son to explain the abiding love and kinship between himself and the creator. Our language doesn't have a way to express this relationship adequately. It's not the only possible metaphor to express this relationship within the Trinity, but it is the one that Jesus chose. This brings us next to John's Gospel. Having been chosen by God, through Christ, adopted as God's children, we are given the Holy Spirit to ensure that God is with us always, guiding us, giving us the strength and the courage and faith and hope and the other gifts that we need. Because our task as followers of Christ and children of God doesn't end with the establishing of this relationship. Just as the people of Israel were given a set of expectations when they received the law on Mount Sinai, we were given a set of expectations when we received the Holy Spirit. Jesus tells his disciples, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And he says, whatever you ask in my name, I will do. And those are both pretty intimidating statements. But it's important to remember that our keeping of Christ's commandments isn't motivated by fear, it's motivated by love. And because God loves us, when we ask in his name, our prayers are answered. Sometimes the answer is yes. Sometimes the answer is not yet. Sometimes the answer is not this, but this thing instead. But our prayers are answered. The Trinity is fundamentally about the internal relationships within God, between these persons we call Father, Son, and Spirit. But the nature of those relationships has been revealed to us not by the language we use, but by how God has chosen to relate to us. God is love. We hear that all the time. And unless you're a supreme narcissist, love is is relational. There is the one who loves and there is the beloved. And this is why God's essence, the internal working of God, is multiple persons. It has to be because God is love. The Father and the Son exist in eternal love, a love that is so abundant and so creative that it spills into the world in the person of the Holy Spirit, whose divine nature is gracious, loving, giving, and healing. At every turn, God has chosen to love us and to make us his own. And Jesus has commanded us to reveal those loving Trinitarian relationships to all the world. The Trinity isn't just about who God is, but who God is for us. The Trinity tells us that God is essentially relational. And it's when we lose track of that that we start to run off the rails. Through all salvation history, God has revealed a complex and loving reality to us. And today, through the working of the Holy Spirit in the world, We are asked to continue that revelation to all of humanity.